the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The world is a complicated place. You need someone to expose the political fakers, fixers, and takers, and to cut through the mindless chatter and misdirection to help you make sense of it all. That person is Dan Proft, and this is The Dan Proft Show. Good evening. Welcome to The Dan Proft Radio Show. My name is Julie Kelly. I am a senior contributor, writer for American Greatness, amgreatness.com. Joining me now is Arthur Millick. He is a friend of mine and a young up-and-coming voice and leading thinker of where the conservative movement now, so to speak, is headed in this post-Trump era. And you've seen this split between the establishment Republican, even think tanks like the Heritage Foundation and the legacy publications like National Review, who um, are sort of at odds in many ways with where the new right is headed. And so Arthur is at the forefront of that. He is with the Claremont Institute. We'll talk a little bit about uh, what that is. And, and this new Center for the American Way of Life, which is described as uh, reinvigorated and restored conservatism. Arthur, thanks so much for coming on today tonight. Thank you so much, Julie, for having me. Arthur, explain a little bit who the Claremont Institute is. We know who appreciate all of their hard work, but who is the Claremont Institute? Who's involved and uh, how they've really become so notable over the past several years in, in the Trump era? Sure. Well, the Claremont Institute has existed for 40 years. It is a California-based think tank that does a couple of things. We published the Claremont Review of Books, which in my opinion, and I you know, used to say this before I worked at Claremont, that it's the most interesting and serious magazine on the right. We have uh, several educational programs for young future elites where we train them up to understand where the country came from, where it began, and what has become of it, and what can be done about it. And we have trained generations of very successful and impressive young people. And then the Claremont Institute has just opened its new branch in Washington, D.C., which I am heading up, uh, standing up. Uh, and our goal is to uh, thank you very much. Um, our goal is uh, a couple of things. Uh, our, our view is that the country is in trouble um, and that the establishment uh, of conservatism does not understand fully, does not appreciate the threats to the country. Um, and we like to think of it this way, that we are in a regime level crisis. Uh, on the one side of that crisis stands uh, the Republican uh, self-government, the American way of life. And on the other is identity politics. And identity politics right now has all of the advantages. It has not only the moral momentum in controlling and policing the moral high ground in our, in, in our country, but more importantly, it has very successfully captured all of the institutions, the major institutions of the nature, nation, the universities, the schools, the Fortune 500s, large parts of the media, the image-making industries, big tech, and the administrative state. And we are outgunned and outnumbered. And establishment conservatism, for the most part, refuses to see this. 
And so we've created this new center to reinvigorate conservatism, to put it on the right track of understanding what it's actually fighting for and what it's actually fighting to preserve. And just as importantly, to wage battle against these institutions that the left has taken away from the right while the right was asleep. I think I want to read really quickly because I think this gets to the crux of where you are in your organization and this new center is versus uh, uh, everybody else, <laughs> the establishment conservatism. So this is from the statement, much of the conservative establishment came to view the pinnacle of human life as private consumption and personal license, defining national health by GDP growth. It did not understand this perspective led, led not only to spiritual 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 enervation, the weakening of patriotic sentiment and the demotion of political liberty, but also to the creation of new oligarchic elite openly hostile to the nation. Boy, that nails it. That's exactly what has happened over the past few decades. While the establishment conservatives conservatives sat there and talked about what, free trade and low tax rates? Yeah, that's right. Their their vision for what national health and happiness was uh, turned out to be very narrow and captured only a peaceful moment in time, but is not a durable strategy. The idea being that so long as the GDP is growing, everybody is happy and there's peace. But the truth is that that very peace, that very GDP growth can sometimes produce very bad effects. Like, for example, the things that I list, spiritual enervation, the belief that human life is only about consumption. And the problem of that is that it makes you forget that political liberty um, is the primary, should be the primary focus of a political party. It's preservation. And you cannot have both of these things. You cannot have a citizenry that is on guard and practicing its political liberty, living it out while also thinking that its entire existence is merely private, is about just spending, money-making, and consumption. And that view drove us into the situation that we're in because it's those kinds of citizens that were developed by this view that GDP growth is the end-all, be-all. It's those kinds of people that are taken advantage of and, frankly, run roughshod over by an accelerating, uh, more fanatical left which while we were spending and consuming, took over all of the nation's institutions and is now using them to implement a kind of oligarchic tyranny, a rule by the few. I think that that has been a huge revelation for people over the last few years that, no, a country's health is not measured by, you said, the GDP, the Dow Jones, um, you know, how all of these economic gauges that we were really taught this is the measure of a healthy society. And I, I hear this more and more from people, people alarmed that families are breaking down. We heard a little about of this in the early 90s um, from some people who were laughed that, okay, broken families, that doesn't mean anything for at least the white people, right? It, we looked at it in inner cities, thought it was a problem, but now uh, people have observed the same, these are the same problems universally. They're not just in certain communities. Uh, They're even in the upper income, the wealthiest uh, communities have these problems too, whether it's drug use or families breaking apart, uh, loss of faith, loss of religion. Those are major problems for a country. And I think that that's why people are sensing this country really is falling apart, even though the economy looks sort of okay. 
But this is a heavy lift, Arthur. How? Where do you guys take this to lawmakers, to communities? How do you start uh, getting people to pay attention to this? Right. Well, look, I I am of the view that uh, there is still a great deal of hope. Uh, in many, many regards, this is still a very healthy country. And I'll give you just one example that even though President Trump lost the election, uh, even though in a certain way many of his policy victories will be reversed or didn't even happen, nonetheless, one of the greatest victories of his presidency is exposing this illegitimate rule of elites over the country. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Americans understand that now. And they are both angry, they feel that an injustice has, has taken place, but at the same time, they are still attached to Republican self-government. They are still attached to liberty, to political liberty, to ruling themselves. They still feel that it is illegitimate for their uh, fake moral betters to rule over them. So I, I, I'm not hopeless. That spirit exists in Americans, and it can be revitalized, and it requires a new political movement. Um, it requires uh, a, a new rhetoric to revive that noble sentiment in us that we can and ought to rule ourselves. But that's not enough. It also requires uh, a, a taking down of and undermining of the institutions that the left has accumulated that illegitimately rule us. I'll give you just one example. Why is it that each state has a state, a partially state-funded university that is teaching its students to despise its, their parents, mm-hmm. to despise the country, to even to a degree despise themselves. Mm-hmm. Why is it that conservatives just stand by and tolerate it and say, well, a rosy day will come. These places can be defunded. Mm-hmm. This is within our power. And we have to look institution by institution like that and take away their funding, uh, change the laws, so that those institutions are weakened in their grasp over uh, uh, young people and just generally American minds. I'll give you another example, big tech. How is it possible that one private woke corporation like Google can control 90% of the worldwide internet searches, which is the portal to information? Mm -hmm. There are legal means like antitrust that can be pursued. Conservatives have not been thinking like this for the last 30 years because things have been more or less rosy in the country, even though just underneath the covers they've been bad. So it's a rechanneling, it's a rethinking of our strategy uh, that is very important today. And I think that that is the future. In in fact, I think that's the only future that's possible for us. Thank you so much for your work. Uh, It's well needed and I wish you all the success because the country depends on it. I'm coming home, baby. Coming home, baby, now. You know I'm waiting here for you. I'm coming home now real soon. You've been gone. Coming home, baby, now. You don't know what I'm going through. I'm coming home, I know I'm overdue. Since you went away. Me this is the Dan Proft Show.